special edition of How's Things, a podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York. I'm Nick Gunning, and I'm joined by my old friend Malika Costa. Malik, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. I was trying to think what we were talking about the last time you were here, and I'm pretty sure it was Poetry Month. Yes, was it, it was. Was that the Phyllis Wheatley episode that we did? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. I mixed them all up in my head, yeah, like <laughs> what, what order we do them in, but... Yes. Anyway, always good to have you back. I'm excited about our topic today. It's Black History Month. We're going to be talking about author Nick Stone, who I just saw at ALA. Yes. Had you read her before we started doing this episode? No, I had never read any of her material. I had seen Interview Buyer okay. uh, because she was on the band book list. Oh, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think Dear I, Martin was on. Wasn't it Dear um, Martin that was on the list? Yep, Dear Martin. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had kind of seen that story floating around. Yeah. But I had never read any of her material and. Lo and behold, we, you know, the you know, author focused on her, so, you know, I get to dive in. And Absolutely. Definitely a pleasure. Yep. Yeah, it was. All right. We'll dig into that in a minute, but before we do, let's crack open our books and see where our bookmarks are at. Malik, what is on your reading list at the moment? Uh, well, the, actually, the last thing I read right before I started uh, Nick Stone was Green Lights by uh, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, it's like okay. A biography. Yeah, yeah. Um, you did a staff pick on that. I did. I remember I did. that. Yeah, okay. And that book was, it was so much information yeah. and spirituality in that book. Really? It, it really was. Oh, you okay. Would, you no. wouldn't expect it to be what it was but Interesting. It, was, it, it was almost like reading a work from maybe a, a, a buddhist monk or something oh because just as a is a lot of stories a lot of traveling okay and every lesson learned he kind of correlates it oh. with a, a life lesson and so it's more like that's a f- basically what green lights mean is okay like, you know going through life and catching the green lights Okay, I guess I thought it was more just a traditional memoir, but this is more like a f- philosophy kind of book, would it, you it, say? It's basically all that in one. Okay. <laughs> it's basically all, right. all that in one. Did yeah. you read it or did you do the audiobook? I've I heard re- I read it. Okay. Yeah. I've heard good things about the audiobook cuz I think he reads it. Oh, really? So I would I would definitely just to read it or just to hear him read it. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. You know? Okay. Just to hear the stories coming from his voice cuz uh Actually, I watched a couple um, interviews when he was talking about the book. Yeah. And he shared a couple of the stories, and it was so entertaining. Yeah. I saw him on a few things, too. I feel like he was on The Daily Show. But yeah, when he was doing some promotion, I I read some of that as well, or I listened to some of that as well. So, all right, you convinced me. Now I have to add it to my list. Very interesting individual. Okay. I was just uh, attended the ALA conference this year, which was in New Orleans, and uh, I grabbed a book in the airport. And it was the Treadstone Transgression. Are you a Jason Bourne fan? Did you watch I the am. Bourne movies or anything? I okay. Actually, when we jump into our movie segment or our shows, I've been watching Treadstone. Oh, the show. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And it was surprisingly really good. Okay. Yeah. Well, the Treadstone Transgression is by Joshua Hood, but it's it's set in that Jason Bourne universe that Robert Ludlum created. Um, and I read the first, the Bourne the Born Identity, the Bourne Identity, <laughs> <laughs> the most famous one. Yeah forever ago and I, I really enjoyed it but I had never read any of these ones by other authors but I just randomly picked this one up and it was pretty good like it uh, it's not super deep or anything it's just sort of like spy action but it was perfect for a plane so I had a good time okay. I've been meaning to watch the show 
Because I think it's just one season, right? Yeah, one season. I like this podcast called um, Fat Man Beyond, and one of the co-hosts, Mark Bernardin, is a TV writer, and he'd written a lot of the Treadstone series. So, like, I was like, oh, I gotta watch it. So, is it? How does it connect to the Born universe? So, basically, how it connects is just Treadstone. Okay. So, for people that don't not familiar, yeah, Treadstone is just a program where they kind of make super soldiers, sort of like sleeper agents almost too, yeah, right? Yeah, super soldiers, kind of be activated. Agents, right. Yeah, yeah, like, kind of like the Manchurian Candidate. You're right. Yeah, yeah they just wake you up and yeah. But yes, yeah, it just kind of surrounds Treadstone and all the other programs that they have besides, okay. besides okay. Jason. Yeah. And it's just a, a kind of another rogue agent mm-hmm. trying to figure out what Treadstone is. Okay. And he lost his memory. Right. But it, it's, it's a lot of spy stuff in there. That's always fun. A lot of action. Yeah. Great fight scenes. And it has like this realness to it where it doesn't feel like fantasy action. Oh, okay. Okay. It's like more real action, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. It's a little more believable. Oh, that's I cool. Love, I kind of love that element. And then there's a lot of spy stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you love that, you know, going all around the world and... I've been sort of rediscovering some James Bond books in the last couple of months. So I think that's why I was like in the zone for this. But I liked it. There's three books in this Treadstone transgression that follow the same character. And it, it was pretty cool. Did you like the Bourne movies? I loved Back them, when yeah. they were coming oh, yes. out? Yeah. I even loved the ones they did. The Jeremy Renner ones, one? The Jeremy, yeah, yeah, I, I like that one too. too. Yeah. I did, yeah. yeah. It was really good. Yeah, yeah I remember and seeing those And then he came theaters. back and did the last one, yeah. which was really good too. I didn't like that one as much, right. but I... But I still enjoy them. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, they're still, they're still pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm currently reading a Star Wars book. I'm uh, My brother is turning 30. And so we're doing like a, we always do this book club. My brother and two friends uh, and I, and we uh, we're reading a, a Star Wars book called Padawan by Kirsten White. It's an Obi-Wan Kenobi story. And that's his favorite character. So we're, Obi-Wan. we're, we're going to read that and talk about it. Did you watch the Obi-Wan show? I did. Did you like it? I love, I, I liked it. I, I liked, liked it too. It. I don't, I, out of all of the... You pulled back on saying you loved it, but well, you... Well, well <laughs> but you did. Only, only reason I did that is because I, <laughs> I kind of had... Mis, I, mis, I was mistaken because my favorite one is the Bubba Fett. And oh, that I, blows I my mind. I don't know. mixed up sometimes. Not yeah, the Mandalorian. Not the Mandalorian, but Boba Fett. The, the Boba Fett is my favorite one. Wow. Um, okay. I like the Mandalorian and, yeah. and I like the Obi-Wan and now the newest one. Interesting. Um, oh, Andor. Andor. I haven't watched Andor. Yeah. Is it good? They, it, 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 to me, it feels like the Mandalorian. Just the storylines is a, is a little slower. Yeah, it's longer, um, too. It's Bubba like 10 Fett. episodes or something. Yeah, yeah. Just, Bubba Fett just felt like they, they introduced the characters, yeah. then they, and then it was, it was action. Yeah. And, and, you know, they was, they was, things was going on. I was um, surprised. The other ones, how... they, they just kind of breaking into the storyline a, a true. lot. So, That's true. Yeah. That's true. I was surprised how much of the Mandalorian like storyline was picked up in Boba Fett. So like the yeah. people who didn't watch Boba Fett but are watching The Mandalorian are going to be very confused <laughs> yeah. when the new Mandalorian thing shows up. But okay, all right. I don't know. I'll probably get around to Andor. I just haven't been in the mood for it. I don't yeah. know. It's not anything to be too excited about. Yeah. I mean, don't take my word for it because I didn't watch the whole season through. Okay. I just wasn't that you didn't, yeah. I mean, if you didn't even, if you didn't even have the interest to continue the series, I think that gives me a pretty good idea. I feel like Obi Wan. Maybe I liked it as much as I did in part because of the nostalgia. It was just cool to right. see Ewan McGregor like right. back at it, and he did really good. And I liked it. It was really good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was the, solid. The climax was worth the wait. I would watch a season two. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. 
I've been, uh, while we're talking about Disney Plus series, I've been watching Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur with my son. Wow. Are you, have you ever heard of, do you know this at all? You said Moon Girl? Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Devil Dinosaur was a Marvel comic from the 70s that was kind of short-lived. And then it, they rebooted it with this one called Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. And that was a pretty popular graphic novel run. And now there's this uh, series that is based on the, on the reboot of, of Devil Dinosaur. And it's about this girl who's like a genius and she's trying to invent something to um, help her neighborhood. And she accidentally opens a portal and Devil Dinosaur comes through. And then they have like a, a bonding thing. But it's just really stylish. Like it's got a really cool animation style. Like it's definitely geared towards kids, but but I'm loving it just as much as my son. Nah, uh, it's always a win-win. It is. It really it's is. It's got great music. It's a very, I don't know, it's like a blend of, it feels like funk, R&B, and disco, like all kind of like twisted <laughs> together. There's a playlist on Spotify, and really? it's just, it's so much fun. See, I'm going to have to show uh, my son now. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, it. I bet he dig it. It's really colorful, and it's funny, and there's enough like humor and stuff that appeals to me, too, so it's like not boring or anything, but okay. yeah, I, so fine. I'm liking that. Have you watched any movies lately? Uh, the last movie I actually watched was the Black Panther. Oh, Wakanda Forever. Okay. Wakanda Forever. Let yeah, me hear it. Definitely what, enjoyed what it. Yeah. It was a lot of good action. Yeah. When it comes to action movies, like I always say, for me, it's always about the villain. Yeah. So if, if there's good villains, for me, it's always a good movie. Yeah. Loved the villain. Yeah, they um, set Namor up pretty well. He yeah, was he was yeah. a cool nemesis, and yeah. you believed he oh, was yeah. powerful. He and, seemed invincible. And I love when they seem invincible. And then they get beat. Yeah. Because he yeah. just seemed like he was in. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. But he, he finally, you know, good always wins. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It was a pleasure. And I, I watched it with my son oh, okay. and his mom. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. It was, it was a lot of fun. I was uh, not, not, I mean, surprised in that it's never happened before, but Angela Bassett was nominated for an Academy Award. I heard. For, and like the, nobody from a Marvel movie's ever been nominated really? before. Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah. No, it's never happened. I think the closest you get is um, Heath Ledger was nominated for The Dark Knight, which is not Marvel, but like, right. I, that's the only superhero movie that I can think of that had like an Academy Award nomination to it so so yeah that's that's actually a pretty big deal i mean angela bassett's great i feel like everything she does is yeah 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 women are yeah taking over (laughs) that's true that's true and she was so good in that movie too like she's really really deserving of that yeah you could you could feel that you know the hurt oh yeah it was kind of sad it was you know there's a lot of sad um, elements to it the tribute they oh, paid man. to Chadwick Boseman in, in the beginning was was pretty rough. Right, right. You know, like it's so, how it all sort of faded and the Marvel logo having right, the picture. Oh, right. was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely felt that. He was just so great. Yeah. He was really so great. Was. I mean, not just in that. Like, he was oh, just a yeah. great actor. But particularly, I think in that role, he really he really brought something special. So, oh, yeah. well, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you saw it. I'm glad you liked it. Oh, yeah. I loved it. I watched You People on Netflix, the one with, uh, I love Eddie Murphy. I've seen that too. And so did you like it? <laughs> that was funny, yeah. It was like, I want, I always want like, I just want like an old school Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And he was very subdued in this one. So like, I wanted more from that, but it was still, it was, I mean, it's a great cast. Right. So was, did you yeah. like it? I loved it. Yeah. And, and even with the, like, I understand exactly what you mean about Eddie Murphy. Yeah. But I think it's more like he playing these, these mature roles he now. Yeah. He's such an older guy. Yeah. Father. Looks exactly it, the same. It looks exactly, <laughs> looks exactly the same. The same. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was such a funny movie and a great movie, and I think it touched on a lot of subjects that 
need to be talked about. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just subjects that make us closer if we just For talk sure. about them. Yeah. You know, so it, it, I just love the dynamic of that. You know the family and the in-laws. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and well, Julie Louis Dreyfus and David Duchovny as as Jonah Hill's parents. I oh, mean, man. those are great. They were hilarious. They really were. Such a funny. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty solid all the way around. Uh, we've been. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I started watching Cheers forever ago and then stopped, and we recently just started watching Cheers again. Did you ever watch that back like in the day? The original Cheers. Yeah, like old school Cheers. So Cheers and Mash was the two shows. Every time they came on, I would turn the channel. <laughs> oh, you didn't watch it. Didn't watch them at all. Okay. I, I wasn't really into them, but as I got a little older and I started watching Cheers, I started to understand. Yeah. It was just that camaraderie of yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, I would sit down and watch Cheers now. I'm with you on Mash. That was for me, like Nick at Night or whatever yeah, Mash yeah. would so come on. And I'd be like, I was like oh, pass. I'm done. <laughs> so what was your go-to? What was your go-to sitcom like back in the day? Uh, Teenage years. Oh, oh, probably Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, I like yeah, yeah. That, that and uh, yeah. Family Matters. Okay. I wasn't yeah, a yeah. big Family Matters fan because, you know, the nerd. Yeah. Wasn't they went, as funny they went hard on Urkel. They yeah. really did. <laughs> like, yeah. Really. But um, my sisters loved it. So I ended yeah. up watching it a lot. But those two shows and then... Um, Michael Keaton and Family Ties. I love that. Show. Oh yeah, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yep. yeah. And and I, he got a memoir now. Now. Yeah. Um, I read so it. When I seen it the other day, I started thinking about Family Ties mm-hmm. and Teen Wolf. Oh yeah, I love Teen Wolf. I love <laughs> so, Teen Wolf. Yeah, that, that was that was my thing. You know what's crazy about Michael J. Fox? He filmed Family Ties and Back to the Future at the same time, really? and so he filled Family Ties like during the day and Back to the Future all night. Wow. So so much of like the Back to the Future movie. Is in the night because like that's the only time they had Michael J. Fox. But yeah, yeah. pretty wild. He was he was big back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you watch the Fresh Prince reunion that HBO Max did a while I, back? I didn't. I seen the trailer, um, and then I knew some people that seen it. Yeah. I asked them about it, and they just said it was it was more of a more like a drama. It, it wasn't. Oh no a no. Comedy. I don't mean no. There's there's that reboot on Peacock called Bel Air which is like a serious version. But no, HBO Max did like the original cast got back together and just like oh, reminisce. No, I didn't see that. I didn't it's, even know about it. It's that. really good. Oh, really? It's really good and like more emotional than I expected it to be because oh. like I too loved Fresh Prince. That was right. definitely like I have to watch that whenever it's on. Yeah. It's so, yeah, yeah. Even now sometimes I don't watch it. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine like flipping through channels and seeing Fresh Prince and not stopping. <laughs> so, yeah. yep, yep. That makes perfect sense. Anything else on your watch or reading list we didn't cover? Um, well, one thing I do have to mention. Yes. Is, uh, I, I want to say probably one of the best shows I've, I've watched in the last six months. Um, if you went to um, old like medieval sword fight okay. and that kind of stuff, uh, Vikings Valhalla. Oh, I know you love Vikings. So you love the original. The original Vikings, yeah. yes. Um, so Vikings Valhalla is is basically, I think, a story a couple hundred years after okay. Vikings. Okay. Um, so it just kind of tell you, show you what's what's going on and how the Vikings were still invading England yeah. and, and pretty much running England. Um, okay. This is before, okay. you know, England was united. So yeah, yeah, Vikings is great movie. A lot of action in it, a lot of drama. Yeah, great acting. It's really good. I've never watched Vikings, but I think we have the DVD here. And we I do. and we I do. still have a DVD player, so maybe I'll yes, we do. <laughs> maybe I'll grab it. We do. I think we have like all seven seasons. All right. Well, uh, yeah, let's roll into it. Our, our featured author for this Black History Month spotlight is Nick Stone. All the books presents Author Spotlight. 
So what is the first thing? You said that you'd uh, you'd seen some interviews and things with her back when Dear Martin was on the challenge list. Was Fast Pitch the first book that you'd read by her? Fast Pitch was the first book I yeah. read by her, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty strong. I feel like she has a good grasp of writing for that like 8 to 12-year-old right. age. You oh, know what I mean? Because yeah. her books tend to kind of target that audience, and that's kind of a – I feel like the – not as much focus is put on that age. You know what I mean? It's like picture books or YA get all the attention. Yeah. Uh, and she does have books geared towards a younger age as well. But I think those, um, those junior level books are really kind of like her bread and butter. Let me give you some facts on Nick Stone. She's originally from Atlanta, Georgia, and has a degree in psychology from Spelman University. Uh, I was just at the ALA conference, and she was one of the she was like the the opening speaker. Her and Ibram X Kendi, and she was wearing a Spelman University sweatshirt. Yeah, so yeah, Spelman, I, I can vouch for that. Uh, <laughs> she lived in Israel for a, t- a time, and the history and the family stories that she picked up there encouraged her to write. I, I read this thing. She she did a Q and A with some students. And this was in the the Business Journal. There's a quote from her. She said she wrote her first novel for young adults in 2012. She said she was inspired by the Divergent series of books by Veronica Roth because unlike other dystopian novels and series, it was quote the first series I ever read where the black character lives all the way through the end. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I did. I, see, I think I've seen that interview. <laughs> Which I think is just a really funny quote. And so she was like, okay, let's do this. So that cracks me up. Dear Martin was her debut book. Uh, and I read that, I don't know, right? I think when it came out in paperback. So not right in 2017, but probably in 2018 when it was oh, still relatively so that was her new. Debut, huh? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and it was really well received. It was sort of, I, I don't know, I feel like it was everywhere, you know, like on all sorts of well, lists and things. <laughs> Not just banned. the band list, but <laughs> everybody was reading that one. And then she uh, followed it up with Dear Justice, which um, the first book is about a kid writing letters to Martin Luther King Jr. Right. And the second book, Dear Justice, is about a kid writing letters to Justice, the main character from Dear Martin. So they're oh, okay. they're kind of connected in that way. Dear Justice is a little bit more of an upbeat story because Dear Dear Martin is, you know, given the topic and everything, is is just a, a more of a downer of a book, right, you know, by right. its nature. Right. She was saying uh, she at the ALA conference, she was telling a story about Dear Martin. She said that her kids aren't super interested in the books that she writes. They're like, I whatever, you know, like that's mom's job. I don't care. But she said she found a copy of Dear Martin in her son's backpack. Like he was hiding it like he wasn't supposed to have it or something. <laughs> And she was like, uh, you don't have to, it's okay. Like, you can read it. You can read it if you want. And he was like, no, it's not that. I just didn't like it and didn't want to tell you. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she was like, read Dear Justice. It's more upbeat. You'll like it more. Right. I did hear her say, like, if you could get anything out of that book, because they were talking about how I was on the band books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, um, if if you could get anything out of that book. And then she, she say, open up to a certain page and a certain chapter. And she say, uh can't change how people think and act, but you're in full control of you. When it comes down to it, if nothing in the world changes, what kind of person are you going to be? Mm. And, um, you know, when she said that, it's just that's just so profound. It's like that's basically the whole message mm-hmm. of that book. Yeah. You know, so, you know, when you get past, you know, um, the trauma of what's going on in the book yeah. and, and the trauma of yeah. the reality of um, the things we face in America, um, that's really the main point of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, just trying to be the best version of you mm-hmm. despite what's going on around you. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. 
Well, I'll read the synopsis here for people who haven't read it. Justice McAllister is top of his class and set for the Ivy League, but none of that matters to the police officer who just put him in handcuffs. And despite leaving his rough neighborhood behind, he can't escape the scorn of his former peers or the ridicule of his new classmates. Justice looks to the teachings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for answers, but do they hold up anymore? He starts a journal to Dr. King to find out. Then comes the day Justice goes driving with his best friend Manny, windows rolled down, music turned up, way up, sparking the fury of a white off-duty cop beside them. Words fly, shots are fired, Justice and Manny are caught in the crosshairs, and the media fall out. It's Justice who's under attack. So, yeah, heavy book. Not yes. not a light read, but I feel like the way it approaches the topic and everything is very approachable. You know what I mean? Right. It doesn't... It's not like a daunting book to read, you know, and I think that's really one of her skills, like taking some of these heavy issues and putting them in a way that regardless of your age, you can understand and and get something out of it. So I think it was on the banned list for being, you know, quote, anti-police, I think was the right idea right, right? Yeah. yeah and i and i guess some of the subject they felt like some of the subject matter was like you said it was just too intense for yeah the youth yeah the young readers right so because I, I guess it was like in a lot of schools all over yeah i mean same thing we were talking i, I can't remember what episode but we were talking about the hate you give and had a lot of the same right. kind of like right. you know response right. to that for similar reasons but i was just so struck by her at she was she and Ibram X Kendi were the opening speakers at the ALA conference this year and they were talking about adapting Ibram X Kendi's book how to be a young anti-racist uh, she kind of made it for a younger group and it becomes sort of a, a call and response narrative between the two of them and she was just so thoughtful and I just wanted to listen to them talk forever you know like their their discussion about this book and about the writing process and everything was just like, so fascinating and I feel like Having books like this that, you know, you can read at a younger age, I think is so important. Oh, yes. You know, because kids, you know, are just more open. You know, that's just the way it is. So having things like this, I think, is is really crucial. But let's see. Yes. So Dear Martin, Dear Justice. She's written a trilogy of novels based on Shuri from the Black Panther comics and films. Yeah, that looked interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we have them here. You can check them out from the David A. Howe Public Library. Several standalone novels aimed at middle grade, including Clean Getaway in 2020, Fast Pitch in 2021, and of course in 2023, the book uh, How to Be a Young Anti-Racist came out, which is an adaptation of the original book. So yeah, busy and in demand she is as, uh, as an author. We focused on Fast Pitch. This was the one that we decided to read together uh, for this. So let me give you a quick synopsis of Fast Pitch, and then we can get into it a little bit here. Shanice Lockwood has her eyes set on the Fast Pitch World Series. As team captain, she'd like nothing more than to help her girls take home the trophy and the $10,000 prize money. And as one of the few brown faces on the field, it'd be a personal triumph to show up her rich white opponents. But Shanice's focus gets shaken when her Uncle Jack reveals that a family crime may have been a setup all along. Shanice will stop at nothing to uncover the past. The closer she gets to the truth, though, the further she gets from her goals for the future. From the New York Times bestselling author of Clean Getaway, Nick Stone seamlessly pairs the history of the Negro Leagues with the story of a contemporary black tween determined to blaze a trail of her own. This is kind of topical, too, because it wasn't that long ago that Major League Baseball and records and everything took those leagues in and like are including those stats with everything. It's like the first time that those are no longer separate. And so it changed a lot of records and things like that by incorporating that. Um, So makes perfect sense. Uh, What did you think of the book? I thought the book was amazing. When you think softball, you don't think like popular sport, right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's Uh, true. (laughs) But the, the thing is, is 
with softball and the history of baseball in general, you know, softball coming from baseball and everything, it, it's just so much history mm. uh, when yeah. it comes to baseball and America. Yeah. It was America's favorite pastime. Oh, yeah. Um, so when it comes to baseball and um, this book being about, you know, racism and baseball. Yeah. Those two things was probably one of the first foundations for integration. Yeah. You know, even before a lot of the laws was passed, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of guys was really fighting to get, you know, yeah. in baseball yeah. and stuff like that back in the 50s, right. and 60s. So it is kind of funny how like the need for baseball to continue sort of trumped all other things, right. you know, because when you look at like, you know, like there's that new League of Their Own series that's on right. Prime right now. Uh, and it's like, well, we have to have baseball, so I guess we'll let women play, you know? And it's the same thing here. It's like, we have to have the best team, so I guess we'll let black players play with white players. Yeah. You know, it was like the need to continue baseball more than the need for, like, equality right. or whatever that, like, seemed to move it forward. But right. Right. speaking of, of Chaz Chadwick Boseman earlier, the movie 42 about Jackie Robinson is yeah. great. It's yeah, so good. good. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That was a good movie. And it really does a good job to sort of, illustrate the landscape and like right. the but just like you're saying the importance of baseball in, in american culture right. and everything so yeah baseball yes. yeah yeah are you a baseball fan um i am naturally a baseball fan i don't watch um baseball yeah. in the regular now yeah um but at heart i i will rather play baseball okay i love playing softball yeah um baseball um, yeah I rather play than watch. Um, yeah. So I'm not. I don't really follow the um, the professional league. Okay. I, I follow the Phillies a little bit yeah. because I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, have you recovered from the Eagles' loss in the Super Bowl, or how's that? This yeah, is a touchy I, topic. I I, 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 I recovered. Okay. <laughs> I actually I recovered before the game was over, <laughs> because okay. one thing with me is I can, I just feel like this is my personal opinion. I feel like I can see in someone if they wants to if they want to win or not oh okay and when i look at you and i and i feel like you don't want to win i i already know oh lost. okay yeah. all right so, so you weren't just, getting you weren't getting the good vibes, yeah, the vibes from the eagles I was this year getting from them once they started the second quarter i was like no nah, it's not done. our night huh it's not our night okay I can all right just tell yeah yeah it's this certain energy you have when you when you know you're gonna win and you're gonna do everything yeah your power to win it's just a different energy yeah yeah, yeah. all right all right. Well, I'm glad you're doing all right. <laughs> Not devastated. <laughs> so, no, no. Uh, so one thing I liked about the book, um, I liked the I liked the balance of, because you are. I mean, you're dealing with you're dealing with like racial issues and like you know inequality and the way players are treated and and things like that. And there, you know, the main character here is really trying to sort of like. Not only does she want to win, but she wants to kind of prove herself as right. well, you know. So you have that at play. The the mystery element, like as she starts learning about family history, and and her her uncle Jack reveals this whole thing about how was her great grandfather that was set up right to right. keep him out of the main leagues. It, it was either the great. I, basically, she come from three generations of baseball players. Yes. Yeah. And two generations before her. One of her um, uncles or, or one of her family members was so good that he was almost in the majors or yeah, maybe yeah. trying to cross over right. and ended up getting framed. And because of he because he got framed, um, it ended his career. Yeah. Um, so, so that's the, an element of yeah, mystery. I liked it. And there's this whole like subplot about like trying to get the information from Uncle Jack. Like, where is this mystery uh 
baseball mitt that's supposed right. to like prove you know that this was a setup and everything so while all of the baseball stuff is happening she's also trying to like solve this mystery and i felt right. like it was a nice balance of multiple things going on at once you know but the genius of, of nick stone just how she write is it's amazing this is this is the stuff that when i read material like this it make me want to be a, a better writer because just the way she's able was able to kind of have so many other subsets or um, other things going on besides uh, the main plot, which yeah. was her playing baseball and trying to win. Then it was the element of her grandfather. Yeah. Um, and then it was the element of her teammates making her captain. And then she was so distracted trying to figure out um, what happened with her family that her teammates started kind of losing faith in her ability to lead you're right yeah you know so it, it was that element too so it's almost like trying to find the truth for a certain reason but you if you put too much energy into finding the truth mm -hmm. you, can, you can lose what you're fighting for in the first place yeah so yeah, i yeah. just felt like it was all those little little elements and struggles going on at the same time mm -hmm. and that's that's amazing when any writer can do that yeah yeah yeah, I agree. And I think I, I think it has a lot of cross appeal. Like I could see, you know, my eight year old son liking this book, right. but like it still worked for me. It was still like a good story and, and well written, as you yeah. said. As a bonus, I listened to about half and half. I read half and I listened to the audio book. But Nick Stone actually reads the audio. So like it was that much more. And like you were pointing out before we started that she's posed as the character in the back of the book. Right. Which is kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, so she, you know, she played baseball when she was young. Yeah. And one thing she said uh, about writing, she said when she writing, and this is something about writing, when you write and you can be anybody mm -hmm. you want to be, it's almost like string theory. Yeah. Like you can create your own parallel universe. Yeah. And just imagine if your book becomes a bestseller like this. Yeah. It's almost like the characters become alive. Yeah. So it's almost like, it, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a real reality. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the ability that writing gives you. It gives you the ability to be anybody you yeah. want to be. Yeah, yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah, I agree. She spoke on that uh, at the conference because uh, adapting how to be an anti-racist is a lot of, like, true stories that Dr. Kendi, like, right. experienced growing up and stuff. And so she was saying, like, she doesn't know if she ever wants to do that again because she likes the freedom of being able to, just, just as you're saying, do whatever right. she wants, go where she wants to go, like, have the stories naturally resolve, whereas, like, you know, real life does not it's not as tidy as that and so like justice isn't always served and everything so she likes you know the fiction realm because she can really like get her point across and end it the way she wants it to end right you know right. which i think is a great point um did it encourage you to pick up other things like is this going to be an author you're going to add to your list oh definitely yeah because um so what i did I, I read fast pitch first but um clean getaway um, main character protagonist was was uh, a guy named Scoob. Yeah, yeah. And I guess Scoob had a crush on Shanice. Oh. So these books is yeah. tied in, and, and it's like all the same universe. Oh, okay. So the main character from Clean Getaway had a crush on the main character from Fast Pitch. I see. Yeah. Okay. I I read them both, but I must have. I guess I wasn't thinking that they were connected, so I yeah, so probably just didn't cross my mind I, I that really it was didn't the same. I noticed, but when I went back and I was kind of just skimming through uh, Clean Getaway, that's yeah. when I noticed that. Okay. Parallel, when I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
So well, that they makes do. me really want to read. The like, covers Irish of the book stuff. and everything do look like they go together, yeah. like stylistically and everything they do. One bit of advice about Clean Getaway, don't do that audiobook because no. I, I was telling you this, but like that one is about a kid going on a trip with his grandma and the voice the narrator does for the grandma is so <laughs> grating. It's just like, oh, come on, Scoob. It was just, uh, it was not. It was very annoying. And it was a lot because it was just, for most of the book, it's just the two of them. Right. It's like a two. Yeah. She, so it she just, talks a lot. Yeah. Oh, oh, not great. That's not great. But the story was interesting. Yeah, the story was, was interesting. Interesting story. So, yeah. Def- I think it's definitely worth a read. I feel like of, of all the books I've read of hers, and I haven't read How to Be a Young Anti-Racist yet. That's I got a like an advanced copy at the uh, conference. So, like, that's on my list. Um, I feel like Dear Martin probably was the best that I would read. And I, and I think, like... If I was going to recommend one, it would probably be Dear Martin. Um, but I think that something like Fast Pitch has the benefit of tackling some of those same issues, but in a lighter, like right. more fun story. Right. But I don't think that she sacrifices like the importance of some of the elements in the book to make it a fun story. It's just overall the package is nicer, more fun. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. So, and, yeah. And just like you said, it's subject matter. Um, you know, Fast Pitch is a story about you know, young um, African-American girls playing baseball in, in the white, mostly white league. Yeah, and, right. You know, just trying to break barriers. And, and then uh, Dara Martin is, is about, and, and it, it's so sad to even think a, a, a teenage boy going through, you know, facing death. Yeah. And so that's just, that's two different yeah. subjects, yeah. you know, um, so... Yeah, I, I like I said these these books tend to be popular, and you know she she keeps going. Uh, the Shuri books always look interesting to me. I yeah, put yeah, when we decided do. we were going to talk about her, I put a hold on the books, uh-huh. and they still the hold still hasn't come in yet. So oh, I think okay. they're just popular, but um, I could see picking up those. Yeah, I, I yeah. really think Marvel has done a great job at diverse. Be, uh, oh, okay, just creating diverse. Um, Feels uh, like it characters. took them some time, but yeah, <laughs> now that know, they're there, <laughs> I would say. You know, I'm just an optimist, yeah, optimistic yeah, yeah. person. But I would say in my lifetime, I've been able to see multiple black heroes, something that yeah. I thought I would never see. Yeah. So that I'm very proud of that. Yeah. 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 Well, in like mainstream, too. Right. You know what I mean? Because I, I, mean. I could think yeah. of like, I remember, remember when Shaquille O'Neal did that Steel movie. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that's not one to hang your hat on, you know. But yeah, now, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a good point. I mean, how does that... How does that change the experience for you? Like, is it, that, you know, and I, I know this sounds cliche and you hear it a lot, but it, you have to kind of look at it as this, if it was you, you know, yeah. so, so seeing your, seeing yourself yeah. portrayed as a hero, it, it just, it, it sparks your imagination yeah. and it makes you believe that it's possible for you, mm-hmm. You know, and honestly, if I'm being 100 percent honest, I never looked at color that way. Mm-hmm. A superhero mm-hmm. was a superhero to me. Yeah. And I always felt like I could be one, too. Yeah. So I never really looked at that dynamic. But at the same time, I, I do understand how if I was young, when I was young, yeah, if I would have seen um, heroes that looked like me. That would have just been even more. A plus. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I can't really imagine. I mean, I I, I feel like that's uh, that's something that even looking back on it, it's weird that it's taken as long as it has right. to really do that. Um, but the response to Black Panther was just like overwhelming. I, I like it, how meaningful it was to people, I think, is just 
amazing. And I think like, I, I, I can't really put myself in the opposite position, but like when I've seen movies where there's not like, you know, a plucky white guy and like, there's nobody that I see is like, Oh yeah, that's like, I could play that character or that's like, it is, it is weird to not have that. So I can't right. really imagine the reverse experience where like you never have that right. until the movie Black Panther, <laughs> you know, in well, like I mean, 2019. Spawn True. Okay. There you go. Nineties. Yeah. But it, you know, it didn't really go mainstream right. as much as we might've wanted it to. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 it wasn't really no representation yeah. here um, as far as heroes. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that that's groundbreaking. Well, and it's interesting too, to look at like the, in Marvel and DC's history, like, Black Panther is one of the earliest like mainstream like he was an Avenger like he, right. even in the 60s when he was made like he was an Avenger and like had that status but like the, that didn't really usher in like a new wave of diversity you know what right. I mean like Black Panther kind of stands alone and then when you look at DC you have uh who do you even have like <laughs> uh, Black Lightning Black, I guess Black, Black Adam right is that he DC right no. yeah he is but he's kind of portrayed white in the in the early days oh, oh like, in I the comics yeah in the right. comics yeah, right, yeah. Right, yeah. But like Black Lightning, I could think of like in the seventies was more of a character, but he's you know written by white authors is kind of a cliche. So like it takes the, oh so back, long. Just just like you said, uh, kind of back to um, how you said about kind of seeing yourself on screen. Yeah, goes oh, everything always goes back to Bruce Lee, right? Sure. When it yes. comes to action, you, yeah, with you for sure. Like right. you always find a way to get Bruce Lee <laughs> in the conversation. So yeah, go back to Bruce Lee. Yeah, but so Bruce Lee was doing the Kate the the uh, the Kato. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Green Hornet, yeah. Green Hornet show. Mm-hmm. He's playing Cato, and in America, it was the Green Hornet show. Yeah. But over in China, it was the, the Cato show. So all those Chinese kids was looking at Cato yeah. as a hero. Yeah. And it created a whole movement. Yeah. Of 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 people trying to be Cato, mm-hmm. kids trying to be Cato, just because they seen a Chinese man yeah. as a superhero. Yeah. Right. So that's just an example of how seeing yourself portrayed. Yeah. Um, can can spark a movement yeah, yeah absolutely but i think that's so true in like you know the, the movements to like have more diverse books and things like that i mean the importance of that i just think can't be overstated because it's like not only is it is it helpful for children of color like seeing themselves represented but for white kids being exposed to differences at an right. earlier age is also an important element to that you know because right. like I don't really think I was when I was a kid, like the books that I was reading or the shows I was watching, there really weren't a lot of, you know, characters that were not just like white kids, you know what I mean? So like you grow up a certain way and it's, it's when you experience that later, it's a very different thing from when you're like reading books as a kid and seeing that diversity right from the beginning. I think that's just so important for people to understand that like their perspective is not the only perspective. And I think that's particularly true of, for white kids, you know what I mean? That like, that's something that they need to see. So oh, yeah, for sure. Just look at, you know, even in music, look at, you know, after Michael Jackson, yeah, um, the movement, um, like, you know, black kids dancing and singing yeah. and trying to make it is, yeah. you know, it's almost like once somebody opens that door, you know, the rest of your ethnic group mm-hmm. kind of tries to follow you. For sure. You know? Yeah. So that's good for, you know, all, all yeah. humans. It's funny how it seems like even now it kind of takes, you know, one person or one movie to kind of just like push through and then, yeah, floodgates open and it's like, oh, we could do this if we wanted to, you know what I mean? Like, That's just human nature. Right. I always go back to this story that I, uh, this 
guy, the speaker, Miles Monroe, he always tell the story about how the uh, the, the Olympic sprint record, mm. um, it was it stayed like a certain time um, until like the 60s or something. Mm-hmm. This one guy broke the record, the sprint record, mm-hmm. like a 40-yard dash or something. Okay. And after nobody had ever broke it, yeah. after he broke it, that record, it it got broken like 16 times yeah. in the next couple of years. Yeah. And I was like, once people see it can be done, yeah. then people kind of, you know, follow suit. And yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if we're going to see that with, um, LeBron James just breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. Like, is that going to, is that going to stay? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's specialty, right? That's, yeah. that's top tier. Yeah. Is, you know, that's a lifetime of work. Yeah, you know? for sure. Wow. We covered a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the book we started talking about is Fast Pitch by Nick Stone. So we have that in a collection of her works here in the library. Any final thoughts on Fast Pitch or Nick Stone? Um, it's it's a great book, a great read. Um, got a little comedy in there. Got some mystery in there. Um, got some um, some diversity in there. Yeah. So um, it's a great book, I think, for young adults and adults. Yeah. You know, Agree. Learn a lot from it. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Malik, always good to have you on the show. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining me. me. It's Poetry a, it's Month. It's a pleasure. Yes. It's just around the corner. We got to do it. I'm so excited. All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of How's Things. We'll see you next time. Peace. Hey, gang, stick around for a quick preview of our new show, But Have You Tried? from the David A. Howe Public Library, hosted by me and Ali Fesmeyer. Remember to search for the show, But Have You Tried? wherever you get your podcast. Now, here it is. tried the new podcast from the david a howe public library it is it's shiny and new and here we are it's practically sparkling Ali, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to figure out like what do we call this episode because it's not this is not a teaser it's not a trailer but it's also not a full episode this isn't like the true first episode so what is it a prologue episode zero is or it a, a prologue? is it an epilogue of how's things and a prologue for but have you tried what is maybe it? I would lean toward episode zero or prologue. Epis- I, like episode zero. Like I like episode zero. I like episode zero. Well, because in like certain... Feels like a little like patient zero, but... Uh-huh, okay. Maybe. I mean, it'll spread. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it'll spread. Yeah, hopefully. We're hopefully. too soon for epidemic jokes. I think anyway. it is. I think it is. Yeah. Anyway, so, what? So, I don't know. I just... Okay. <laughs> I say any way to change You were so the, bold. You so boldly the jumped topic, in there with even anything. Even if I have no plan for where it's going. Nowhere to go. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I'll tell them. Okay, okay. Go for it. Go for it. So... Yeah, we're launching this new podcast, and in it, Allie and I are going to be trading off things that we're like, oh, you, you have to you have to watch this, or you have to listen to this, or you have to eat this, or whatever. And since we didn't, since we don't have an episode before this, we needed a little something here to introduce what our first topic is going to be. So, Allie, I know that you have a lot of vintage tastes, mm-hmm. right? I think that's and, accurate to and say. And I have vintage tastes. This is true. But mine, I feel like maybe are, are a couple of decades before yours, which makes sense. And I feel like yours tend to lean more like BBC vintage and mine is more like 45 record vintage. Would you say? I'd say that's a good characterization. So I know you like old school stuff. I know that you like some old music. But have you tried Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll? Not really. Nothing. To be be honest. Well, okay. There's there's ain't nothing but a hound dog. That's what I got. That's Elvis. Yeah, that's an Elvis song. Okay. Okay. How, How do you know that song? Um, I think when I was a kid, I had this CD. Okay. That was like I'm familiar. Yeah. Animal something. Okay. And so it was just like a random collection of songs that had anything to do with animals. So it was like 
Rockin' Robin. Okay. And like. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Other other things by, that by the original artists, like by Elvis and by you know whoever. Maybe not actually. To okay, be but honest. the song. <laughs> but All the right. song. Okay. I have heard Elvis's version, but I can't remember if that was the one on the CD. I or see. Not. Elvis famously never wrote his own music. He always had songwriters, you know, like "Blue Suede Shoes," which is one of his like early hits, was a Carl Perkins song that nobody cared about, and then he did it, and it was like what a big hit. So uh, yeah, I don't know who wrote "Hound Dog," but that is one of the enduring ones, and probably one of the earliest ones that I knew of and liked. Like for that reason, "Hound Dog" and "Blue Suede Shoes" probably. <laughs> there what about like lilo and stitch they, that used a lot of elvis music i don't think i've seen lilo and stitch it's not great but the thing is like people started like listening to elvis again because of that because ah. it's so like elvis heavy but it's like a stranger things with kate bush moment yes i guess so a name that i never heard before stranger things oh. so my mom liked kate bush so it was like a okay. kind of a household name growing yeah up, and then i was All like right. wait you mean other people know about kate bush now suddenly mrs stevick is hip she's exactly. with it okay <laughs> um i'm trying to think back like what I mean, we get into it in, in the proper episode when we really when we really get there. But I truly feel like Elvis is one of those things that it was just like elemental to me. Like I, I don't remember a time before I like knew and liked Elvis songs. Probably had my grandma to thank for that. You know, she was born in the early mid 40s, I guess. And so when Elvis really hits in like 57, 58 and of course into the 60s, she would have been the perfect age. You know, so mm. like Elvis to her was like Elvis. And so I just remember a lot of like making banana bread and making my grandma made these gross cookies that <laughs> no it's okay it's, I'm, I'm interested to hear i, where this I is wish going. that people could have seen your face when i said my grandma makes gross cookies she just makes a certain variety of cookies that her that are gross the majority of her okay, cookies okay. and baked goods are good but she makes these cookies that i swear nobody likes but she makes them all the time and they're like cornflakes in them oh because I'm from Battle Creek, Michigan, okay. home of the cornflake. Okay. I like a good cornflake. Cornflakes in them and like maraschino cherry. Does that sound good to you? No. How are the cornflakes incorporated? The like, cornflakes are like mixed in the batter, but like they're so also it's like cornflake cookie. Yeah, they're also like sticking out the of the top of it, so that they're makes like. Sense. So you know, it's huh. it's a cookie with a mushy cherry in the center and baked cornflakes that tear up your mouth as as you eat them. Not the point, but the point <laughs> is I remember listening to a lot of Elvis songs while making those horrible while making cookies. Making the gross cornflake yeah. cookies. Yeah, So then, just as it went on, you know, I had Elvis like cassettes. I listened to it on the radio, CDs, records as they came along. I really got into the Elvis movies, uh, and there's like thirty of them, and they're all exactly the same. Elvis has this quote where he's being interviewed, and they're like, "Elvis, have have you ever played a character like this before?" And he's like, "Yeah, about twenty eight times," which <laughs> I think is really funny. <laughs> At least he's self to just have right? it on Front Street, you know. A lot of them are bad. Some of them are like embarrassing. Some of them are like offensive now, but a couple of them are really good. So if you were going to watch some Elvis movies, and I don't know how deep are you prepared to go? I'm not How sure. seriously are you going to take this? This is something we'll have to figure out as we do this podcast. I think there are deeper dives that you could take, but if I was going to if I was going to just start you out, I would say listen to that compilation that's just like one like Elvis. It's like a okay. gold cover and it's all the number one hits and that's okay. a pretty good overview. And then if you wanted to go a little deeper, there was a follow-up called Second to None, which is a little bit more like Songs that didn't quite hit number one, but were like maybe B-sides or songs that just kind of like picked up steam over mm. time. So I would say if you're going to go compilations, I would look at those two albums. If okay. you're going to go movies, the best one is probably Viva Las Vegas. It's uh, it's Elvis and Anne Margaret at sort of like the height of the Elvisy ness It's the most like legit 
movie. Like it feels more like a movie than a lot of the other ones do. Okay. The other ones are just sort of like, Elvis, you got to drive this race car. And he's like, all right, come on now. <laughs> and that's pretty much the whole plot. He sings, he punches people, he kisses the girl, and that's it. it makes sense, makes sense. Viva Las Vegas, because Anne Margaret was such a presence, it's a little bit more of a, like, she's truly like a co-lead. Well, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> and they had a real thing. It was a, it was oh, a scandal. Okay. Um, so I would say that. And if you want a more serious one where he like is really acting, then I would say Change of Habit, where he Change plays he plays a doctor in a rough neighborhood, and Mary Tyler Moore plays a nun in disguise. Oh, yeah, and a nun in disguise. A nun in I'm disguise. Here for that. that because does sound it, intriguing. Yeah, there's like these three nuns, and it's like we're not connecting with these people. So why don't you sort of go undercover as just uh-huh. like an average Joe, average Jane, and uh, that's that's what it is. That's so a really interesting strategy. Elvis doesn't know that she's a nun. Uh-huh. Maybe there's romance, oh dear. but of course she's a nun. That's so I love Change of Habit. It's also not a musical. It's okay. maybe it's like that one and Charo, which is a western, are not musicals. There's a, he like sings a song, but it's okay. you know the rest of them are like all right, let's sing about a clam bake. So makes sense. Different. I don't so know why you wouldn't sing about a clam. Bake. I know it's <laughs> it's exciting times. So how do you feel? How do you feel going into this? What do you think your takeaway is going to be when you really start looking at Elvis Presley? In terms of whether I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah are you going to are you going to like it? Like, are you going to find anything in it? Or are you going to be like, yep, yeah, that's pretty much what I thought Elvis was? I feel like probably I'll like it, but I don't know if it'll be like, yeah, this is my you won't add this it, is my you won't add it now. to your list or whatever. It might not go on my like frequent rotation. Right. I don't know. We'll see. All maybe right. maybe it will. I feel like maybe you'll like Elvis more than you think you will have you seen the baz Luhrmann, the elvis biopic that's up for you know academy awards and things nope it's we have it here on glorious digital video disc oh wow so and it is it is good but like elvis is a tragic story so yeah that's fair it's, it's also you know, kind of a downer i will say yes the other thing i know about elvis besides ain't nothing but a hound dog okay is I really like the band The High Kings, which is like an Irish band. Okay, that <laughs> that makes this, sense this for is your the brand. Other genre that I listen <laughs> yes. to besides okay. jazz, you know. Yeah. Um, Irish music. Irish music. Irish music and jazz. Pretty much. Pretty much. It's okay. like, do I want? Do I want to be? You know, like in the like classic sort of like uh-huh. mystery, you know, like yeah. jazz, you know, in the nightclub, you know, okay. like, well, I'm thinking like a hard boiled, you know, like oh, okay. Like a noir kind of, right, right, right. Yeah, in the noir. Yeah, yeah. Do I want right. to be there or do I want to be like frolicking in the fields <laughs> okay. in my peasant and dress? And that's Irish music. Those are, okay. yeah, those are my two moods. Peasant dress or noir mystery are the only yes. two settings that you have. Only two settings. So okay. every day you can just ask yourself, which is okay. it today? I think I would have better luck finding Elvis jazz feeling music rather than Elvis Irish rather than feeling Elvis music. Irish feeling music. It is an odd combination. It is. But here's the funny thing. Okay. They have this song, the name of which I don't remember. Uh-oh. Oh, I think it's Galway to Graceland. And it's well, about this woman who's like obsessed with Elvis and okay. thinks she's married to him. And okay. when he dies, she like travels and like tries to go to his funeral and is like yelling at everyone being like, oh, he's my husband or my whatever. Husband. And everyone's like, lady, you're crazy. Wow. That's the whole song. Okay. And so, so that's another Elvis that's connection. Another that you Elvis have. connection. What about that I like uh, like Walking in Memphis? Do you know that song? Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Not to my knowledge. Maybe. <laughs> okay. This is going to be a journey that we're going to take together. I really, I really feel like uh, it's going to be an interesting. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one. Don't tell me yet. But have you decided what you're going to assign me after Elvis, or are you going to wait and see how Elvis goes and decide? I might wait there? and see how Elvis goes. Okay. All right, so you have got about a month to dig into some Elvis 
music and movies and facts and whatever you want to do, and then come back here, report your findings back to me, and we'll dig deep into the life and loves of Elvis <laughs> Presley. <laughs> and then you're going to have to grade it. You're going to have to tell me what okay. you think. This episode is scheduled to drop on... March 13th. So you have, yeah, just a little over a month at All our right. time of recording. So listeners, if you want to follow along and also dive into some Elvis stuff, the assignment is, let's see, one. Yeah. Second to none. Yes. Viva Las Vegas. That's right. And change of habit. Change of habit. And anything else that Yeah, anything that else. Anything goes. Okay. Yeah, you bring something Elvis to me, I'll know about it. Okay. So you don't have to worry. See, I feel like that's just a challenge for me to find the one Elvis the thing The most obscure Elvis about. thing. Hmm. You can follow the library on Facebook at David A. Howe Public Library. We'll be posting things about the show on there. You can also follow us on Twitter at D.A. Howe Library. We'll be putting maybe some polls and things like that up there in the future. So thanks for joining us in our, what did we decide? Episode zero. Episode zero. Episode zero of But Have You Tried. All right. Allie, have a, have a hunk of hunk of. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? Good. I was trying to make it like an Elvis pun and I failed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Best of luck to you. <laughs> <laughs>